Thaddeus Young with a wild spin move. Loses it. And now Brogdon for Giannis. Nice. Perfect. And one. That was right on the money. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I know it's Valentine's Day and happy Valentine's Day, but we do not have time for romance today on the show. We don't have time to waste on today's Wisco Sports Show. We have so much to cover. Let's get right into it, okay? It's coming up at 5.30. We're going to talk to Zach Heilprin, sports director at our sister station, The Zone, in Madison. We're going to talk some Badgers basketball, and maybe he will calm me down a little bit about the current state of the Badgers. At 5.45, we're going to check in with Drew Kelly, who is, as we speak, setting up at Central High School for, uh, excuse me, on Alaska High School, Central on Alaska tonight, rescheduled from Tuesday. So we're going to talk to him, get some keys to what is going to be a huge matchup and a wildly entertaining game, which will be aired right here on WKTY shortly after my show wraps up. So we're going to talk to him. But first, uh, well, before even we get to the Milwaukee Bucks, I want to start with the Milwaukee Bucks because we have now reached the NBA All-Star break and it's a time for us to kind of take a deep breath, get our wits about us and kind of look back at the first half of the season, really it's more two-thirds of the season, the first half, quote-unquote half, is much longer than the second post-All-Star break. But I want to talk about that. But first, I I don't do this every day. I don't do this every show. Uh, But if there was ever a time where we needed to do this, it was today. We're going to start with the best thing I saw yesterday, ripping off old Scott Van Pelt, and that was UWL basketball last night. Now, I want to talk about it more in detail tomorrow when we have a little bit of time. But last night, if you didn't know, I know I tweeted about it last night. You can follow me at Keystroker Grant. Uh, we tweeted about it at WKTY. They knocked off the third-ranked team in the country, number three Oshkosh, at Mitchell Hall last night, 66-61. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to talk about it today. I do want to talk about it tomorrow because Eagles had lost three in a row. They bounced back last night in a huge way and knock off the third-ranked team in the country at Mitchell Hall. So that was the best thing by far I saw yesterday. And UWL fans have got a lot to be excited about after last night. That was a huge win. So we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But I did want to give a shout-out real quick as we start the show. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text sign if you want to join in on the conversation. I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks because we are at a good spot right now. The Bucs, of course, their record is stupendous. They're 43-14, and 14, and if you remember correctly, the Bucs won 44 games last year. They have come within a fingernail, within an inch of last year's win total before the All-Star game, which is just absurd to think about. Last night, they beat the Pacers 106-97, to and very similar to UWL's matchup with, uh, with Oshkosh last night, there were lots of chances for the Bucs to fold. Uh, they absorbed a couple runs and even overcame a few deficits from the Pacers, who... I don't know what it is about the Indiana Pacers. I know Oladipo's hurt, and they shouldn't be as good as they are. They just are a really good team. They don't have a lot of superstar power, especially with Oladipo. I mean, even with Depot in the lineup, they're not a star-studded team. They're just a pesky team who knows how to do the little things right. Uh, And they gave the Bucs a game last night in Indianapolis. The Bucs win 106-97. And and what was so crazy was just looking at Giannis' stat line. I try not to spend too much time just reading off the box score. Uh, and recapping games, but this is a stat line to behold. 33 points, 11 assists, 
and 19 rebounds last night for the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Donatkumpo. Uh, exactly. Giannis last night. And I, I was frustrated as much as I was in awe and amazed by last night's game from Giannis because I am waiting. I'm still waiting. I, I, and I still believe that we're going to get a 30-20-10 game from Giannis last night. And he was one rebound away from a 30-20, what would have been 11. He also had two steals and a block. Uh, and they caught up with him. He had a lot to say after the game, including uh, some entertaining statements. And you know what? Maybe Giannis getting a little cocky, and why not? So we'll hear actually from Giannis uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes. Last night was impressive for a couple of reasons. It was not just another blowout win, although they did win uh, by nine points. So, I mean, it was a comfortable win. And a lot of times in basketball, and I allude to this all the time, final scores really aren't often indicative of how close the game is because as soon as you get into the final minute, the losing team's going to start fouling. It's like, it's like pulling your goalie in hockey, right? You're down one goal. To try to make up for that in the final minute, you pull your goalie. Well, now you give away an empty netter, and now you're behind two goals, and the game doesn't feel as close. So when you look at the final score, okay, they won by two goals. It's not always indicative of the actual game that was played. Right in the ups and the downs and the deficits and the, the runs that both of these teams went on. It was a really good game uh, and one that we haven't seen the likes of uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks often because they really haven't been close. Right, They've been blowing all these teams out. And last night, they had to make a couple of adjustments. They had to do a couple of things differently than I think they have been doing in the past. I have talked at length on this show about Eric Bledsoe and what he has meant to this team, especially in instances where they need a guy to make a play happen. Let's say the Bucs are playing the Pacers. The Pacers are on a bit of a run, and the Bucs need a player to slow down that momentum and, and grab the game by the horns. I kept saying that. Get control over the game when the opposing team is trying to make a run, trying to close a gap. Bledsoe has been that guy. Well, last night, it's not that he wasn't that guy. The Bucs just went with a different lineup. So to put this into perspective, Giannis played 38 minutes. Middleton played 34. Lopez played 35. Brogdon played 30. But Bledsoe, the fifth and final starter, uh, of course in no particular order, played 21. He gave way to some bigger bodies. Ursan Ilyasova played 23 minutes, uh, which is as many minutes as I've seen him play in, in recent history, at least in the last month or so. They resorted to going big and countering the Pacers' bigger, stronger bodies, whether that would be with Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis. And they have some bodies that are just on the bigger side, especially without Victor Oladipo. Their lineup, it's its hefty. I think that's the best word I could use to describe it. It's not full of a bunch of seven-footers or seven-three guys like Kristaps Porzingis. They're just big-bodied guys. And Eric Bledsoe last night found himself in an awkward position of, of really not having a place in the lineup, at least not in the perfect and ideal lineup. Ursan Ilyasov last night had 11 points. He was plus 18. So if you, if you look at the plus-minus stats, I think they're very telling. When the Bucs were playing quote-unquote small, they're starting five with Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe was minus seven last night. So if you're not familiar with plus minus, that means when Bledsoe was in the game, the Bucs were outscored by seven points. Meanwhile, when Ursan Ilyasova was in the game, the Bucs were plus 18. And to put that in even more perspective, the Bucs, no other members of the Bucs bench, whether it be DJ Wilson, George Hill, as well as he played last night, he had 12 points, Sterling Brown, or Tony Snell, none of the other bench members had a plus plus-minus ranking. They were all minus. But Ursan Ilyasova jumped off the page. The Bucks went big last night, and, and Giannis and, and Budenholzer both spoke about that at the end of the game, or should I say after the game in the locker room. We'll hear a little bit about that and some of the details and some of the uh, the ins and outs of maybe what makes this Bucks team even better because we can talk about blowouts over teams like the Hawks and even a team like the Nets uh, or, or the Knicks. Those are great. 
but in crunch time. And and the Pacers, for whatever reason, are just a they're just a good team, a really good team. And on paper, they shouldn't be as competitive as they are. Every once in a while, you're gonna have to adapt. The Bucs are not going to be able to have success with the same lineup against the Celtics as they are against the Raptors, against the Sixers, against the Pacers. Every opposing team at the top of the East plays a little bit differently, has a little bit style of personnel, and the Bucs are going to have to adapt. And last night was a good example of the Bucs changing up their lineup, taking away one of their most valuable pieces this year, a fringe all-star in Eric Bledsoe, a guy you could argue should have been an all-star, and instead going with a bigger body, Ursan Ilyasova, and adjusting, not only on offense, but on defense as well, doing a lot more switching and being a lot more flexible altogether. So we'll get Giannis's thoughts on that, Coach Budenholzer's thought on that, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. 608-796-2558. That coming up and more when we return on the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Happy Valentine's Day. Although today there is no time for romance here on WKTY. We got a lot going on. Obviously, you're hearing from David Scrady. Zach Heilprin from the zone in Madison right around the corner. Maybe he's going to walk me off the ledge when it comes to this Wisconsin Badgers team. We'll see. Uh, he always brings it. Drew Kelly at 545 to preview on Alaska Central, which is tonight. Here on WKTY, it was rescheduled from Tuesday. Uh, so anything worthwhile is worth waiting for. We were waiting two extra days. And you know what? The week's wrapping up. It might feel better uh, on a Thursday night than a Tuesday anyway. So huge matchup. We're going to talk to Drew coming up in about a half hour about that. So 608-796-2558. All of those guests will be joining us on the five-star telecom talking text line, just like you can. A call or a text both will do the trick. We're talking about the Bucks right now. They won again last night. Yeah, big whoop. What I have started to do and what you should do as well as Bucks fans and as cultured, educated NBA fans as we all are here on WKTY, right? Is trying to take one thing from each game that might make you think, wow, this might not be at the forefront, but this is interesting. This is a reason to feel good about the Bucks outside of the result of the game. Or maybe, he, hey, this is concerning. This is something that I don't like, regardless of whether the Bucks won or lost. Because there's 82 of these things, right? We can't just come on here and celebrate every win and then come on here and, and be mad every time they lose. We're, we're not going to accomplish anything, and we're going to drive ourselves crazy. We are the All-Star break right now, so it's a good time to reflect Good time to look back and really do some big picture thinking about this Bucks team. They have a week off uh, before they play next Thursday night. They'll they'll play Boston, so we have that to look forward to. I'm not going to lie, and I'm a little biased. I, I try not to be biased in topics like this. I think Giannis is the MVP right now. James Harden's scoring streak is incredible, uh, but he's not scoring 50 a game anymore. He's still putting up 30 a game. But then again, Giannis is doing close to the same thing, and he is lifting his team to the first overall seed in the East and the best record in the NBA assists, rebounds, points, steals, blocks. He has the number one defensive rating on his team, and the team has the number one defense in the NBA. So it's he's, he's got his fingerprints all over this team, and his team is doing very well. So as of right now, I, I know Paul George is, is the, the hot topic. I love Paul George, and I'm happy to see what he's doing. But, I mean, he, he's had a good three weeks. And I know Thunder fans would be like, but he's so good on defense, right? And I agree with that. And he's been good all year. I agree with that as well, but not as good as Giannis. It's an interesting conversation, as is James Harden. But as of right now, I would pick Giannis. I know that's not a foregone conclusion uh, by any means, but that's just my two cents. I think Budenholzer is the runaway coach of the year. And honestly, John Horst, if it were up to me, would be the executive of the year. Uh, I, I think you could have a, a case for Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. I don't know who else. You tell me. 
Who even is the... It's not Colangelo anymore, the general manager in Philadelphia. If they don't start winning more games, get a higher seed, and actually do some damage in the playoffs, I don't know if I would give it there either. I just think the job that John Horst has done is excellent. So just taking a look at some of those midseason awards, we actually get to hear from Giannis a little bit. Uh, he spoke at length last night about a couple of things. One of the big emphasis emphases that I talked about to start the show from last night's game, one of the things that I picked out is the Bucks went big. Eric Bledsoe, he didn't barely play last night. He had 21 minutes compared to minutes in the mid to upper 30s from Brogdon, Middleton, Antetokounmpo, and Lopez, his starting rotation counterparts. They went bigger. They went Ursan Ilyasova, who had a plus 18 compared to Bledsoe's minus 7. Bledsoe was the only starter in the negative side of the plus minus. Ilyasova, the only bench player with the plus side of the plus minus. So do the math. It makes sense. The Bucks were very good employing that larger lineup last night. Now, that's not going to work every game. That's going to work against the Pacers because of the bigger, heftier lineup that they have. Against Toronto, they're going to play differently. Against Boston and Philly, they're going to play differently. Last night, they executed a game plan that was perfect for last night. And Giannis talked about that a little bit after the game, praising his head coach, talking about the success of being able to adapt and change your lineup in the middle of the game, going away from a guy who's been... He's done a lot of good things. He's been the answer when you needed it. He's been the stopper on defense when you've needed it in Eric Bledsoe. And instead, turning those minutes over to Ilya Sova, that changes a lot of things. How you play defense, how you run your offense and pass and shoot the ball. Giannis talks about that versatility just a little bit. This is last night in the locker room. Uh, I think, you know, our coach is really smart and uh, just putting out their big bodies. Uh, Guys like, you know, they're able to switch and come from one another, another defensively. I think uh, he helped us to um, get some stop. And obviously, we were fine, just tried to find the open man and uh, try to knock down shots. You know, we changed the lineup, played harder, uh, switched everything. We were able to uh, make uh, Indiana go one on one. Uh, and I think we did a better job rebounding the ball and uh, just running the floor. Well, and here's the thing. I like that Giannis mentioned, uh, mentioned switching everything on defense because when you have bigger bodies, when you have heavier, slower bodies with more length, there's advantages and there's disadvantages. Example, at the top of the key, whoever's guarding the point guard, which is in a, in a larger lineup situation, is most likely going to be Malcolm Brogdon, possibly Chris Middleton, but most likely Malcolm Brogdon. Not as fast, not as compact as Eric Bledsoe. He does not have the ability to get over a ball screen and hedge a defender as he tries to get into the paint. So you're going to have to switch more. Ursan Ilyasova and Chris Middleton, the two smaller bodies along with Malcolm Brogdon in that bigger lineup. Communication is key. Knowing who has what assignment, who is switching with who as the offense you know, moves around. It's a big difference because you play differently with a bigger lineup on the defensive side of the ball the bigger the bodies get. You're switching more. You're sagging off more. And the Bucs defense really played well in the final stretch of the game, which allowed them to climb back in. They were trailing uh, for a good portion of the fourth quarter. It looked like maybe the Pacers were going to run away with it last night. The Bucs adjust, and their lineup really answered. It's one thing for Coach Budenholzer to say, okay, we're going to go big. It's another for the players to be able to execute, adapt, and eventually overcome as they did to win 106-97 last night. Their final game before the All-Star break. Bucks sit at 43-14. and Already coming within one game, one win of last year's win total of 44 games, which is absurd to think how far the Bucks have come in a year. And it's pretty crazy. Giannis has gone from an exciting young player to a global superstar. Last year was an All-Star starter, obviously, and then this year... Transitioning to something a little bit different, this year he is a captain. Got to pick his own team. He's obviously getting a little bit more of a name. Now, he's got a busy next week. Everybody but uh, but Giannis, 
Chris Middleton and the coaching staff is going to be able to take this uh, take this week off. Giannis is uh, going to have to find rest and relaxation in other ways. He talked about his all-star plans. It's funny because when you ask Giannis about basketball, he, he kind of gives cliche answers. Uh, it's pretty tongue-in-cheek. And part of that, and I don't mean this as a disparaging remark at all, part of that is his English isn't the best. And I would imagine when learning a new language, it's not exactly the easiest thing to know the ins and the outs of the lingo of a sport. Like, if I'm trying to learn Spanish, I can't imagine being able to jump in and be able to talk about and analyze and reflect on a basketball game. But Giannis, when he's asked about some things, he really gets going. They asked him about, well, what are your all-star plans for this upcoming week? And Giannis, he really gave some detail. I appreciate this. So, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back home tonight. I'm asleep. I'm asleep all day. I'm asleep tonight. I'm asleep all day tomorrow. Wake up, get some breakfast, shower, lay on the couch, watch some uh, MTV, or like some uh, uh, some drama shows. You know, uh, what are they called? Kardashian, Sex on the Beach, Are You the One, XXX Challenge, stuff like that. I like, I like, it. I love drama. And then um, the next day I'm asleep again. I wake up, get some breakfast. Not do nothing, get a, get a haircut, look nice, look handsome, get in for the All-Star break, uh, spend some time with my brother, go watch my brother play, and then uh, I'm going to go Saturday to support Chris, and I'm going to go play the Sunday game. That's it. I'm, not, I'm just going to rest. I love the specificity. I love, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Day one, day two, day three. And it's fascinating <laughs> to hear what goes on in the life of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He sounds like a relatively normal guy. He's a fascinating player. I think he's unlike most superstars in this league. And and one thing that I've always noticed about Giannis is he is very hesitant to praise himself or to be cocky or to be arrogant in the way that some other players are. And I think sometimes it's to his detriment because he is already disadvantaged in the fact that he plays in a small market team like Milwaukee. He, he's already at a disadvantage being that he is foreign, right? He is from Greece. We didn't like look at Zion Williamson. He's going to have a huge following and a huge fan base. He hasn't even been drafted yet, right? But we watch him at Duke. We're going to watch him and be excited about him in the draft. And when he's a rookie, there's going to be eyes on him, much like Lonzo Ball, another good example. A little bit different when you come from overseas. Example, Kristaps Porzingis, there was talk that he might be soon to be one of the best players in the NBA before he got hurt, and he was booed. The Knicks were booed when they they drafted Porzingis. It's just another challenge. Now, last night, Giannis maybe took a step in the right direction. I'm not saying that Giannis should be cockier. I'm not saying that he should be arrogant. But last night, I think Giannis maybe needs to do a little bit more of this. He praised himself a little bit and the havoc that he has wrecked on opposing defenses. Giving some perspective, he was actually asked, uh, Thaddeus Young, who plays for the Pacers and in the past has done an okay job of guarding Giannis. Well, last night, Giannis had 33, uh, 19, and 11 he was a rebound away from a 30-20-10 game with a triple-double. So Thaddeus Young didn't exactly do the trick last night. They asked him about the challenge of, of going against Young uh, and what it means. And Giannis kind of came back with a little uh, with a little sass. I'm just going to leave it at that. This is what he had to say. I'm not trying to sound uh, uh, arrogant and cocky because that's not who I am. But I don't think there's one guy that can stop me. You know, it's it's got to be the whole team effort. You know, they got to load. They got to double-team me. The guy, when I get to the paint, three guys, you know, swarm at me. That's the only way. They got to all work together to uh, stop me from making plays. Not getting points, from making plays. And uh, But he's a great de- defensive guy, uh, defender, and uh, 
Uh, I love playing against him. Thad Young's a great player, great man, great defender, but no one man can stop me. I like a little bit of that. Being confident without necessarily being overly cocky. I think Giannis needs to do a little bit of self-promoting because he is disadvantaged in a smaller market and being a foreign player. And still, he has created and, and developed this huge global following that he has. I can't wait to, to watch him be a part of the All-Star festivities throughout the next week because it is one big self-promotion for not only Giannis, but for the Bucks and for Milwaukee, especially given their coaching staff is there and Chris Middleton as well. So that's big. We're going to keep the basketball talk rolling. Around the corner, we're going to talk to Zach Heilprin, sports director at The Zone. Uh, and I was talking to Zach earlier, and I, I think he may have a couple things wrong about me. So I'm going to have to confront him and ask him exactly what he has heard and where he's heard it from about my Badger fandom. Uh, maybe because I've been difficult on the Badgers the last week or so. So part of that might be fair, but we got to set the record straight with Zach. We're going to talk Badgers basketball. Drew Kelly to preview on Alaska Central coming up at quarter to six as well. A lot more to come. No need to go anywhere. Stay right here. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host, Grant Bills on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard and hanging out. Hope you're having a good Valentine's Day. As I said earlier, no time for romance today. We got too much to talk about. I want to transition to Badgers basketball, which has kind of been a hot topic uh, with both myself and our fine listeners here on WKTY. Zach Heilprin, the sports director at The Zone at our sister station in Madison. Zach, first of all, how are you doing today? Let's start there. I'm doing fantastic. Are you saying you don't have, there's not love for the Wisconsin basketball team? (laughs) There's plenty. Zach, before we start, I got to let you know, I'm sitting here today in my Badger basketball sweatshirt. Now, I I was telling listeners when I talked to you earlier today, you seem to think that I am jumping on the Marquette bandwagon, that I am now a Marquette fan. What exactly, first, what exactly have you heard? uh, And who did you hear it from about the, the Badger discussion going on here on WK2I on my show? I'll be honest, I only saw your tweet about how you were thinking about jumping on the bandwagon, which was a little, uh, I thought, a little bit uh, hysterical on your part. Sure. Um, but, you know, hey, to each his own. I mean, I guess uh, six-game winning streak followed by two tough losses is good enough for anybody to jump off a bandwagon, <laughs> I, I guess. It's, uh, I, I like watching Marquette. I, watching, I, I will never feel like a Marquette fan. I, I do like watching them. Let's, I, I talked to your cohort, Ebo, last week. Let's talk about these last couple of games. They, they have Minnesota, Michigan, and Michigan State. And I asked Ebo last week, I said, before they embarked on this three-game stretch, is is one out of these three, if they can win one out of these three, is that a success for you? And that's that's what happened. We said yes at the time, but two out of three would have been amazing. They they, they got very close. It could have been three out of three. They, they won one of these last three. How do you feel uh, after this last trio of difficult games? But yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were going to go two and one in that stretch. I thought Minnesota was a tough game, and I, to get that win and to be able to finish it out, that's big. And so then you go and I don't think anybody was expecting them to win at Michigan. They played well enough, you know, for the first what thirty five minutes of that game, uh, put themselves in a position to at least be in the game at the end of it. Couldn't finish it, but I don't think that's any bad thing. I think the fact that the way that they finished the game against Michigan State is is what has everybody up in arms and why some <clears throat> I don't, I'm not pointing fingers. Oh boy. Naming names, but some are uh, trying to jump off the bandwagon. And hey, if that's if you want to be that guy, you can be that guy. I'm not judging, <laughs> but that's a tough Michigan State team. That's a tough Michigan team, and the way that Wisconsin's offense faltered in the end uh, is discouraging. But it's also one of the better two, two better defensive teams in the country. And when Wisconsin runs threes at half 
and the way that they, they do run through Ethan Happen, you have uh, teams like Michigan and Michigan State can guard him with one guy and uh, are, are willing to you know let him get what he wants to get against what is a really you know some tough defense, and they're shutting down your outside shooters like Michigan State did. You're going to run into the issues that we saw at the end of the game on Friday on uh, on Tuesday. Let's talk about this Michigan State game. So Hap had 20. That was all fine and good. The free throws, I honestly, I've learned to live with the free throws. I I guess I complained about it a little bit uh, on Ethan Hap's part, but I, but that's something I've come to expect. That's something I can absorb. I, I look at the rest of their starting lineup. I, I've just accepted that their bench is not that great. They don't get a ton of scoring in general. Their bench is typically pretty quiet, but I, I look at this and I see not only nine points from Brad Davison, which is which is fine, but only two points from Demetric Trice. Like I, I worry when your two starting guards combined are barely getting into double digits. What do you think of, of Brad Davison and Demetric Trice at this point in the season? I think there are two guys that are struggling to shoot from the outside these last three games, but yet they're still shooting over, well, I guess I haven't looked at the stats after Tuesday night, but I, I'm I'm guessing they're probably still close to around 40%. I'm guessing Demetric's still over 40% from three, and Brad's probably right around there too, and I know Nate is up over 40. So you got three guys in your starting lineups that are shooting over 40% from three. You're going to win a lot of games when you have that kind of lineup. It's the fact that when two of those guys, two of those three guys, go two of ten, a combined two of ten yeah. against Michigan State, who was was all on board of making sure that they were not going to get beaten by the three, and they allowed Ethan Happ to do the inside work. But, you know, he had how many shots did Ethan take? It took him 20 shots to get to 20 points, which isn't, you know, uh, efficient by any stretch either. So, you know, Wisconsin uh, needs an efficient effort from Ethan Happ when he's being guarded one-on-one, and they didn't get that. And, you know, give credit to Michigan State. That's a tough inside team to deal with. And, and I started yesterday's show, by the way, this is Zach Heilprin joining us from The Zone in Madison. I, I started yesterday's show before I was upset about anything. I said, look, I understand Michigan State's a hell of a team with a hell of a coach, and the Badgers play great defense, and, and it was a very evenly matched team. I started with that before I, I proceeded to get upset about a multitude of things. What about this team's bench? I, I think Kobe King has shown flashes at times, especially in that win against Michigan. Charlie Thomas, I don't know what to think. I, I'm just disappointed by Brevin Pritzel. Um, and he did have seven points, which oddly enough is, I don't know, a high end for Brevin Pritzel the last couple of weeks. If they're going to get production from their bench, who do you think is going to be the most consistent option or the best option down the stretch as they wrap up this regular season and look towards tournament play? Yeah, Greg Garb is actually pretty happy with the bench the other night. Yeah. And, um, you know, he got 13 points off the bench, which is a lot more than they were normally getting. Um, now, 11 of that came in the first half, and Brevin didn't score after half. I think there was some people disappointed that we didn't see more of him in the second half, but guard really liked the way that Kobe King was playing defense. And, you know, Kobe had a nice, had an all right night. It was three of five, had a couple of nice individual moves, I thought, you know, in, in finding space for inside jumpers. That that had to be encouraging. And the fact that Greg is complimenting his defense is, is a huge thing because that's going to get you on the floor and that's going to get you more minutes. But, you know, they don't, they don't have a, have great depth on their bench. Bench. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure. I'd be. Com- wasn't confident to put a lean forward in the game the other day. Thought it was going to be a little bit too physical for him. Uh, Charlie played a bunch because it was a physical game. They just. They. They don't have um, a consistent weapon off the bench. However, they've seen. They've gotten flashes from all three guys, and you know, and Charlie a little bit, but Brevin, a lean forward, and uh, Kobe King have all given them flashes off the bench. They just need to do it more consistently and and not have these these lulls where you don't think about these guys for a while, but Brevin's getting hot from three. I think he's six and nine from three over his last five or six games. So 
that's his. He's the best shooter, practice shooter I've ever seen. Yeah, he hasn't always carried over the game, but uh, I like him taking a shot. If I, you know, if he's got an open shot, he needs to take it because he's uh, he's going to hit it more often than not. At least in my mind, I, I and I agree, and I shouldn't disparage their bench. I mean, thirteen points in as low of a scoring game as often the Badgers find themselves in is not awful like it could be a lot worse so I guess maybe a fresh perspective on the bench is pretty good let's let's look down the stretch because after the other night it was chaos in the Big Ten Michigan lost Purdue lost uh, especially in Michigan's case a game that they probably had no business losing the Badgers have Illinois Northwestern Indiana Penn State Iowa and Ohio State they have they don't really have a juggernaut now Iowa's a great team but they don't have another juggernaut to face I want to ask you the priority of, of chasing that Big Ten regular season title Versus the tournament, like like, what is more important to you if you could have your way, the regular season or the tournament, and how do you think the Badgers are going to shape up down the stretch? Because there's a lot of teams that are very close at the top of the Big Ten right now. It could go a lot of different ways. You referring to the Big Ten tournament? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, much rather have the regular season title. Really? I think if you're a, yeah, if you're a fan, you much rather, you know, in terms of uh, hopefully you're playing well, that you can win the Big Ten tournament, and that may, uh, you know, Make it so you're feeling good about yourself going into the uh, uh, comp or going into the NCAA tournament. But no, winning a 20 game conference season, even if it's a share of it, that means more. And if you ask the players, they'll say the same thing. The uh, in in a lot of places, the conference tournament, mainly the Big East, I think more so than anything else, it means more to win the conference tournament than it does to win the you know the season long title. But for Wisconsin, I think it's always been, and I you know I think growing up it was always that way too. You know. They, didn't, they, they hesitated in putting the Big Ten tournament in place 20-some-odd years ago or close to 20 years ago because they didn't want to take it away. They don't want to take away from the regular season how important it was, and I don't think it necessarily has. But, yeah, I think the regular season title is more impressive than a, conference, than a tournament title, conference tournament title. I was surprised to hear you say that. I, I didn't know that was the case. I'm glad I asked that. So the Badgers right now, they sit at 17-8, and eight, and it's amazing to, to even joke about jumping off the bandwagon. They're the 20th-ranked team in the country. I know the, the, the bracket... And yet you do, and yet you have, so that's that's, uh, that's interesting. It has happened. We were talking about the bracketology a little bit in the last week or two. That's starting to fire up. Uh, Just very briefly, I mean, it's a long ways off, even though we are getting closer. If the tournament started today, where do you think the Badgers would fall? That is the the NCAA tournament, March Madness, not the Big Ten. Yeah, so they they released their first look at the the tournament bracket on Saturday, or um, was it Saturday or Sunday? It was... It was during the Badger game, so it was on Saturday, and they had Wisconsin as a uh, as a number four seed. That may be the the high mark. Now, if they go out and go six and zero, win a Big Ten title, and all of a sudden they win a couple of games in the uh, conference tournament, then maybe you can push it up to a three. But I think the highest they probably go go right now would be a four. The metrics seem to love them. I think the net rankings, which is what one of the which is one one of their things that they use the the CERC tournament selection committee, I think has them at fifteen. So uh, the metrics love them. If they can put together a five and one, six and zero stretch down here, probably looking at a four seed, and um, that's pretty darn good. When I think a lot of people when you started the season would have been just happy with them making the tournament. No, and I think we've adjusted our expectations along every step of the way, which is probably good. Reasons to be excited about this Badgers team, regardless of my frustrations at times. So, Zach, I appreciate you keeping me honest uh, and giving me a couple of minutes today on the Wisco Sports Show. We'll talk down the line, uh, possibly at the conclusion or near the conclusion of this season, to kind of wrap things up. Thanks again, Zach. Yeah, no problem. Talk soon. That's Zach Heilprin, uh, sports director at The Zone in Madison.
Uh, and I always appreciate getting some time from Zach uh, on the five-star telecom talking text line. He's not going to put up with anything. He's not going to put up with me being a prima donna about this Badgers team. And that's a little bit of what we need here on WKTY. So I appreciate it. When we come back, we're going to check in with Drew Kelly. Central on Alaska tonight. One of the biggest basketball matchups at any level that we will talk about. Two highly ranked teams, both right here in the MVC. That game's going to be on WKTY tonight. Drew is already there watching shoot around, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, getting scoops, getting info. So we'll talk to him coming up when we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. It's the end of this show, or just about, but it is far from the end of action tonight on WKTY Central on Alaska. One of the biggest possible regular season matchups you can ask for, especially in conference play, will be played tonight. And there already uh, doing the Lord's work is Drew Kelly of both WIZM. He is the sports voice here on WKTY. Drew, I I bet the place is just dripping with excitement already. Did you how far did you have to walk? Let's ask that, because uh, that place is obviously already filling up. Yeah, no, it's definitely already full. Uh, good news is there's a girls' game right before this one. So if you want to get some basketball in, there's a girls' varsity game taking place in about 10, 15 minutes. So you can see that one. And then the uh, boys' doubleheader, the second half of that doubleheader coming up at about 7.30 here on WKPY also. And, uh, yeah, it's the parking lot's already full. Uh, thankfully, they've got the facilities where it's not, you know, you're not parking six blocks away or what have you. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's definitely filling up, so I'd, I'd definitely get here down down to this uh, high school in in a matter of uh, about 15, 20 minutes if you want to find a good spot. Yeah, you're not going to have a place to sit or park otherwise. Drew, tonight, now I don't remember, we were talking about this earlier today, and I'm an idiot and I didn't write it down. These are two of the highest ranking teams in the state, and really, you don't see regular season matchups between teams of this caliber. Talk about uh, the both of these teams' rankings and what they have had to do and who they've beaten and what they've shown up until tonight. Yeah, obviously Central coming into this one, the second-ranked team in the country, uh, in the state, fifth-ranked on Alaska as well. I mean, you just don't see that. Two two uh, teams in the same conference are in the top five, and uh, these have been battles throughout the entire three years that I've been here, really. I mean, I'm coming up on three years, and uh, they've been just back and forth the entire time, and home court advantage has really played a big factor uh, in this series, uh, especially here in Alaska. They really took it to Central in the first game of the series last year before Central got revenge in the second game of the series, but uh, this is a gym in which it's a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, not dingy, but it's a little bit cramped. It's a little bit crowded. They're bringing in extra bleachers. They're bringing in extra, uh, you know, stands for people to come and sit. sit. Obviously it's going to be a capacity crowd here tonight. So uh, home court advantage has been huge. And I think that's definitely going to be a factor again here tonight. And uh, if you take a look at what central has done, you know, these last few games, they've just, basically destroyed their opponents. I mean, there really hasn't been a close game since their loss against Minnehaha Academy back on Saturday, January 19th. That was against uh, Minnehaha Academy in the Midwest Players Classic at the Lacrosse Center. And they've won by an average of 32 points a game these last four games. And it's just been dominant performances. You hope that they know how to play those close games. Obviously, they beat on Alaska 74-56 the last time they were, you know, playing them on January 11th. But, uh, Basically a neck-and-neck battle for, uh, I'd say, 19 minutes in the last uh, nine minutes or so. Central kind of took over and kind of didn't let up on on the gas pedal. But uh, this is going to be a fun one tonight, and Central's going to have to get off to a good start. 
Well, let's talk about that a little bit before we necessarily get into the keys of the game. We got about five or six minutes to talk here. I want to hear, we've seen Central and and they're the team that gets the press and the attention and then they have been a program now, uh, a force of a program for the better part of of a decade, it feels like, at least in my lifetime. What does Central and Onalaska do differently? What is the style of play differences between these two teams? Well, Central obviously is going to rely on their athleticism and their their size. Uh, obviously, there's not many players in the state that are as big as Terrence Thompson, and there's not many as players in the state that are as athletic as Johnny Davis, both of them just juniors. When you take a look at on Alaska, they rely a lot more on set offense. I mean, they're going to set up plays. They're going to execute the offense, execute the plays. Uh, they're going to trap defensively, uh, play man-to-man. They're going to mix it up. So it's a little bit of a different style just in terms of what they need to rely on. On Alaska has a lot more really role players that can come off the bench and really step up and do a great job. Central has a lot of star power. Uh, and, you know, On Alaska's strength, I think, is in their, in their numbers. Uh, we talked with head coach uh, Craig Cole uh, yesterday about this as well. And he's talking about just how much of the, the depth game is important for them. Uh, if one guy gets a foul, uh, another guy's going to come off the bench, and they're going to just have the same level of production. And so, uh, on Alaska, obviously, has to have all their guys step up in this one. They're going to be outsized. They're going to be outmatched in terms of firepower. But I think the biggest thing too is the three pointer. Uh, this is a team in on Alaska that really likes to shoot the three ball. Central, not as much. So I think if that's going to be the uh, answer for on Alaska, they're going to have to get a lot of good shots from beyond the arm. Well, and I, this is meant as no disrespect to On Alaska. First of all, Drew Kelly, uh, the voice of sports here on WKTY, getting ready to call On Alaska and Central tonight. We're just checking in with him uh, as the Wisco Sports Show wraps up. This is not meant as disrespect to On Alaska. They are the lower ranked team. Now, they are at home, so that makes things a little bit more balanced. But let's treat On Alaska like the underdogs that they are, as good of a team as they are. What needs to go yep. right for On Alaska? What do they need to execute? And if there is a break or two to be had, what needs to go the way of On Alaska for them to pull the upset? Although, they are still a, a tremendous team and they are at home tonight. What needs to go right for them to pull the upset over Central? Last year, they got off to a tremendous start. I think that was the biggest thing. I think they got up 14-2 to two on Central and just kind of stunned them. Quite frankly, Central with you know those sophomores at the time hadn't been in that situation really uh, in their careers. So you're talking about a team the year before that won the state championship. Uh, so they were really just kind of green and they were kind of going through not the motions, but they were, I mean, they were killing everybody they were playing. And then all of a sudden they went to Alaska and just kind of got a wake-up call to a certain degree. And I think the other thing, uh, they were able to get Terrence Thompson in foul trouble. And that's the biggest key, I think, in this one. They're going to go down to Gavin McGrath, who is not as bulky as Terrence Thompson, but he's six foot seven. he's six foot eight. I mean, he's just a long, lanky guy, and that's the main post presence that is going to defend Terrence Thompson in the post. And I don't think... Central has a replacement like Terrence Thompson uh, that can really match up against Gavin McGrath if he goes up against maybe the second or third team center. Uh, so I think they're really going to pound it inside. Uh, but then, you know, we talked about those outside shooters. Those shots are going to have to fall. It's just part of the law of averages. You're going to have to take yeah. uh, 23s tonight, see how many fall, and kind of just take your chances from there. And they're going to have to take care of the ball because any turnover essentially against Central is a layup on the other end for whatever reason. It just kind of seems the way uh, their their offense works. I mean, they get the steal and they're off and running, and it's an easy transition bucket. So Onalaska's going to have to make sure they execute an offense and and don't give those easy you know breakaway chances for Central. Central Onalaska tonight at Onalaska High School. It's probably the hottest ticket 
anywhere in the state of Wisconsin tonight in terms of uh, high school basketball. Drew, thanks again. What time is your pregame show going to get started? What time uh, should yeah, people be tuning prob- in? Yeah, probably looking at about 7.30 pregame, probably 7.40, 7.45 tip-off. Uh, the JV game for the girls did run a little bit late, so they're still kind of warming up for the girls' game, and then we'll have the boys' game uh, immediately following that, obviously 15 minutes to warm up, so about... 7.30, I would say, for the pregame here on WKPY. All right, thanks, Drew. Have fun calling the game tonight, and, and I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, man. Yeah, talk soon, Drew. That is the voice of local sports here on WKTY, Drew Kelly. And to be honest, he might have one of the best seats for one of the best games played all year in uh, high school basketball in the state of Wisconsin. So make sure you're tuning in about 7.30 pregame. And that's part of what's fun about these double headers is not only do you have more basketball to watch, but we're not really sure when that, that second game is going to tip off. So 7.30, 7.25, uh, if you are not already tuned in, which you, of course, should be, make sure you're coming uh, and tuning in because that spot and those parking spots and places to sit at Alaska High School are going to be few and far between tonight. So if you're not feeling motivated uh, to arm to wrestle with somebody for a place to sit or stand in the gym and on Alaska. Make sure you're tuning in here on WKTY. We covered a ton of ground today. <sighs> I'm exhausted. It's a good exhausted. We covered a lot. Bucks basketball, if you missed that chatter, and we are at the All-Star break, so we took a little bit of a comprehensive look at everything so far in the first half of the season and maybe where the Bucks are trending in the second half. If you missed that, check it out at WKTYsports.com. All the shows, all the Wisco sports shows go up in podcast form. Just a couple of minutes after I go off air. So you can pick and choose what you want to hear. Uh, The full podcast is available, of course, about 45 minutes. But if you heard a part, you missed another part, skip around. That's the beauty of a podcast. So check it out, WKTYsports.com. 7.30-ish, according to the man himself, Drew Kelly, pregame for On Alaska Central tonight. I was going through Twitter over the commercial break, you know, looking at guys uh, who handle high school recruiting and handle even covering Wisconsin basketball. Evan Flood, Jim Polzine, Zach Heilprin, of course, he was on the show, so he can't be on Twitter, all have their eyes, if not they are in on Alaska, have their eyes turned in on Alaska tonight because, and like Drew reiterated, you just don't get matchups like this in the regular season in conference play. It just doesn't happen. We are incredibly blessed here in the MVC to have some excellent basketball like this tonight. Tomorrow when we come back, we're going to talk Central on Alaska. UWL got a huge win. They beat the third best team in the country in Oshkosh last night. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow as well. Fill in the cracks with whatever you want. Pitchers and catchers have reported. We could continue to talk Green Bay Packers and where they're going. Or we could preview the All-Star game. We can cover a whole lot of stuff tomorrow as we wrap up the week on WKTY, at least in terms of the Wisco Sports Show. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.